0: I've got some notes in my hand today, because this is the annual meeting address, the rector's address for the annual meeting. I don't want to forget anything. Plus, I'm going a little rogue, um, because I want to refer to some scripture that we didn't read today as part of the homily. I am so proud of this congregation and its leadership. When I think about one year ago, what we were busy with. I'm astounded at where we are now. I don't know if you remember, but one year ago, we had just come into the new year, just like this. We were just preparing for the annual meeting, and one of the big things that was on our plate in leadership and as a congregation were, were, were the results from the survey. Remember, we did a survey right before Christmas, and it was just in the new year that we started to take that material, which made evident some things we needed to address. Some were exciting, and others were going to be challenging. Throughout the spring, we worked on addressing that survey. The Vestry's leadership played a key role in making a way from those bullet points that we had collected And so you might remember that through the spring, we had two town hall meetings. We had, I think, seven visioning sessions, something that we were figuring out what it is as we go along, because what we've come to know, and the vestry had really become aware of this in 2016, what we've come to know is that the future of the church looks different than it did before. It's unfamiliar to any of us, and yet we don't know in what ways or how And we're not sure how to find our way forward. There's not some manual that says first this and then that, and after that, then that. The whole church is endeavoring to live into the 21st century with the changes that we feel in society and the things that influence us as the people of God. So it was a really busy spring. At the end of that, well, in May, we were delighted to welcome Avril Sweeney as our associate for Caring Ministries, and we're going to bless her at our peace time today. We created that position, and we're delighted to find her as a person who could come into our midst and care for us and then also teach others to be engaged in Caring Ministries. By the time we got to June, we'd completed all of our visioning sessions, We had 200 plus ideas generated from them and now we were wondering what to do next. Thanks to Andy Robertson, our senior warden, we have a visioning management team because somebody needed to help us figure out a way forward with all of these ideas. They couldn't just sit there in a file folder or in somebody's hard drive. And thankfully Sue McKnight has led that team throughout the summer. Now, the summer wasn't inactive. We had our usual VBS, our Vacation Bible School, um, something that we really enjoy offering in the community and has a lot of participation. And we had our Hope Trip, which is our youth mission trip every year. This is its 20th year or something like that. We had Nutmeg, our festival that funds our mission work. And it was in its 111th year. So there was a lot going on already in the summer. But we added to that a couple of other endeavors. We did Vacation Bible School Plus. This was an afternoon program for counselors in training, mostly middle school youth. And it involved three components, service, learning, and fun. We capped the number of kids to participate at nine because our fun was going to take us off campus, and we didn't know how we were going to transport them. So I have a minivan, so good, that took care of a few of them. And we had to figure out how we were going to transport the other one. So we decided to cap it at nine. And thank goodness for Jane Lindenberg's leadership in this endeavor. We had two college students, well, college-bound students, who led the camp. And every day, the kids did service work by helping set and get ready for the next day vacation Bible school. They did learning about modern-day Christian heroes, Dorothy Day, Millard Fuller, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And they engaged in fun. We went to the bounce trampoline park, and we did monster mini-golf and a scavenger hunt around town. It was a very good time and something the church could uniquely offer. And then if you went to the end of the summer, we had a three-day revival, a come-and-see event. Joining with Christ Church Reading, St. Stephen's, we together created a three-evening worship experience. It was a wonderful thing to welcome Bishop Stephen Cottrell and his wife, Rebecca, Stevens, the bishop of the Diocese of Chelmsford in England, and he engaged everyone on the nights of his preaching. And those of you who are in attendance know what a gift that was. So that was in addition to all that we were already doing in the summer. As we came into the fall, the Visioning Management team gathered the vestry together and laid out for us the next steps, and we started to explore what a vision statement and a mission statement and what core values might look like for St. Stephen's based on the listening we'd done in the spring of last year. And additionally, we began two new programs, our Global Philanthropy Leaders, and I I really need to say Jane helped make that happen. It was her leadership, organizing our young people, connecting with the vestry, engaging Rich Stein to help promote and create this program. In our Global Philanthropies program, we have nine high school students who have been entrusted with money that we hold in our care, and they make loans, microloans, to people in need around the world. They're learning about finance and they're learning about what it means to be engaged in the life of others through making a microloan. $25 is the standard loan. Rich Stein has been teaching our young people about finance and about the needs of the poor, and so we have young people, high schoolers, who are rearranging their schedule in order to be a part of this program. That was part of the fall and continues now. And another thing that we began is matters of faith, a focused time between the two services for people's personal spiritual growth. In the fall, we looked at the baptismal covenant and what it means to live into the baptismal covenant. And now we're looking at the Lord's prayer and what that teaches us about prayer. Next, during the season of Lent, we'll look at keeping Sabbath and what it means to be invited to keep Sabbath as God's people. When we came into December, the vestry was ready to put some words together for our vision statement, our mission statement, and our core values, even as they were preparing the budget for 2018 and working with the property and the finance committee to find a sustainable way forward. All of that, all of that, in addition to what we already do The feeding that we do for people around us our community garden which is in its second year the things that happen in worship and how we collect and and organize ourselves to worship together all of this was in addition to all of that and so I am exhausted and exhilarated by what we've undertaken in 2017 and I just feel so proud of our willingness to show up and try you know, that is a prayer of mine that I will show up and try. I think it's God's invitation. And I feel like it's the most consistent invitation God has to me. Whitney, will you, will you just show up and try? It's a really hard invitation to say no to. As you might imagine, even in my imaginations of saying no no, I won't show up, or no, I won't try. I recognized that God would probably ask me, well, why? And any good excuse I might have would actually not be a good excuse at all. God would most certainly lovingly dismantle it and show me how I can just show up and try. I feel like that's what we did in our work of 2017, because many of the endeavors we embarked upon we have never done before. We didn't know exactly how to do them when we started, but we showed up and we tried. Some of you may have heard Bishop Stephen tell this story that I'm going to tell you now when he was here for our Common Sea event. He talked about going to visit a church and standing at the back of the sanctuary at the conclusion of worship, and a husband and wife and their kids came through the receiving line and greeted him. And the husband made some comment about how he doesn't come to church as often as as his wife because he doesn't have as much faith as she does. And so Bishop Stevens said, well, how much faith do you have? And he said, well, I don't have very much faith. He said, I know. I mean, how much do you have? And he said, I don't really know. Bishop Stephen said, well, would you say you have a little faith? Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess I have a little faith. Yeah, how much little faith do you have? Bishop Stephen asked. Would you say that it's as small as a... (laughs) You know how to finish that question. Would you say that it's as small as a mustard seed? God invites us to show up and try. And so as I look out at this 2018 year, I think that's our biggest invitation. But what are we to try to do? What is God consistently inviting us into, even when we don't know what God is exactly inviting us into? And this is where I want to jump from the scriptures that were appointed for today and draw our attention to both the gospel according to John and the first letter of John. In those two pieces of scripture, we see the emphasis of Jesus and as it was being carried out by the first followers of Jesus to love one another. This is a key part of our mission statement. Embracing and living into God's commandment to love our neighbor. Embracing and living into God's commandment to love our neighbor through worship, stewardship, and service to others. But what does that look like? Let us start with the first invitation. What does it mean to love your neighbor through worship? Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit moves us in this direction. Hear from the first letter of John, chapter 4, these words. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Every single Sunday we come forward to remember this truth. That God's love came first, and God's love always comes first, and it comes last, and it comes in the middle. We come gathered together on a Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist, and when we come forward to this holy table, focusing our attention on it through the duration of our service, we remember that God has given us love first, and that God entrusts it into our care and asks us to let it transform us for our work in the world It kind of boggles the mind. In fact, it doesn't really fit in our minds, but it fits in our hearts. So I believe that the questions that we have for ourselves in 2018 are these. How do we give people opportunities to worship? In what ways do the traditions of our worship reorient the participants toward the transforming love of God How might we continue to build upon or elaborate or expand upon these traditions? These are our questions for 2018. And in order to help illuminate this way, we'll provide varied opportunities for both individual and corporate experiences of worship through prayer practices, Sabbath-keeping, and financial giving as a spiritual practice. By showing up and trying in our worship, we will discover how God completes our efforts and invites us into a blessing of the process. So our second question is, how do we love our neighbors through stewardship? Well, Jesus shows us the way. I want to turn your attention to the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. At the very end of John's gospel, John, uh, Jesus is with the disciples. He washes their feet. He tells them that he's going to leave. And then he prays a prayer out loud for them to hear. So I'm going to read to you a portion of Jesus' prayer to God the Father that he wants his disciples to hear him saying. Jesus says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. So often we think of stewardship as only being about money. But Jesus shows us that stewardship is a way of life. That all that we are and all that we have belongs to God. It has come from God. It is completed in God. And we are invited through living into that dialogue, that reciprocation, We are invited into the glory of God, making God's glory manifest in the world. Jesus shows us how to do that by his very life, giving up himself to the wholeness of God's message of love and how it can transform our hearts and lives. So I believe the question that we have going into 2018 in regard to stewardship is this. What does God's vision of St. Stephen's look like? How has God already given us the resources to live into what God sees, what God sees that we are and more fully can be in this place? We start this 28 year with a property assessment. We've engaged an architectural firm to organize the data that we've collected over a decade at least, but then also to bring it into contemporary understanding. Even as we consider how we can use this place, 351 Main Street, to carry out the mission and work of God. How is God engaging us in this? We'll begin to discern how it is that we can use our resources that God has entrusted to our care to participate in the mission of God in the world. The third question is love your neighbor through service to others. This is what the Father calls us to do. How is it that we love our neighbor in service to others? I want to take you again back to the first letter of John. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers and sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. A couple of weeks ago, I shared a quote from Dorothy Day, the Roman Catholic laywoman whose ministry really happened in the wake of the Depression. She began the Catholic workers' movement which was about creating homes of hospitality for the poor and the needy. Her work continues today with Catholic worker houses around our our nation. I shared with you a quote a couple of weeks ago from one of her journals. And her quote was this. Here is a scary thought. We love God as much as the one we love the least. I'm reminded of our baptismal covenant. One of the covenants is part of that. One of the things we say is part of that covenant Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And we always answer, I will, with God's help. Indeed, God asks us to show up and try. So I believe our question for 2018 is this How do we practice serving our neighbors in love? What does that look like in Ridgefield and beyond? What need, what brokenness do we see in Ridgefield that we believe that God is calling us to attend to? At times we might partner with other organizations. Maybe we'll take the lead. But the point is to consider the needs of the world and how it is God is saying, take my good news into the world to attend to that need. One way we're doing that even in this 2018 year is next Sunday on February 4th when we have a conversation for those who are interested on what happens after Me Too. It was last fall when I was listening to the news which, with every day bringing up a new development or a new piece of the story on sexual assault or sexual misconduct and the ramifications of such actions both for the victim and for the perpetrator, or for the accused. Every day there were new stories that were shared. And we know even in this past week, there there was a painful one that came through our news source. I remember listening last fall and thinking, what are we going to do? You know, the bleeding is happening kind of out of all pores, and somehow the bleeding has to be stopped. what does it look like to have a future where this doesn't happen? And when it does happen, we have a plan to move forward together in humanity. I don't know what the answer to that question is, but I called the Women's Center of Greater Danbury because I figured they would have at least a little assistance to offer me. And I shared with the woman who oversees the educational programming there that I was interested in creating an opportunity for dialogue. I said, I don't have an agenda except to create the space for conversation and I wondered if you could help me with that, help us with that. This was before Christmas. She said, I've got two dates. One is January 28th and one is February 4th. I said, well, we're busy, January 28th. So I emailed her and secured February 4th. And that date is coming up next week. And here we are in the aftermath or, and in this new year with even new developments to bring to that conversation. Last Sunday at the back of the church, someone, a parishioner, shared with me how glad she is that we're embarking on creating this opportunity for conversation. And she said, I'm really interested in knowing what the objectives are going to be in this conversation. And I said, well, when you get there, we'll figure out what they are. We're going to build the conversation together in relationship with one another. The same woman said to me, you know, it's not lost on me that this is on Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> to which I said, and the point is, she said, Super Bowl Sunday is one of the biggest nights of domestic violence all year. How is God inviting us to attend to the needs of a hurting world? We don't know how to do it. But God doesn't ask us to know how to do it. God says, will you just show up and try? Will you bring your little mustard seed of faith? Just bring that. Just show up with that. Let me work in and through you. And by committing ourselves to love as our aim and as our means, we create the fertile soil for God to work in and through us. That's stuff that God can work with. And so that's our ultimate commitment of 2018, is to root ourselves in love. God, who is love, who will transform us with that love so that God's transforming love can be expressed and realized in the world. And I know that because God completes us, that when we show up and try, we will succeed. Amen. Amen.